the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, you know, it seems like within the Bible, some of the short, brief books in length can be incredibly powerful in their content. And one such book in the Old Testament, it's not that long of a book, it's just only nine chapters, but it is the Old Testament prophet Amos. And you've tuned in on a great day because today Bert Harper and I begin our look at the Old Testament prophet Amos. So with that, we welcome you to Exploring the Word. And Bert, you know, I I guess maybe because I'm a farm boy too, I've always appreciated Amos because he was a farmer, wasn't he? He was. And the famous passage that you're talking about is Amos 7 and uh, verses 14 through 16. But I love that phrase. I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a herdsman and a gatherer of sycamore tree fruit. Alex, uh, God called him out. And I was reading this comment and I thought it was worth repeating it was, you know, God doesn't always use the people you think he would use. Uh, he surprises us, and uh, he would use Moses, who would be a stutterer. He would, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he said, Lord, I can't speech. I'm slow of speech. And uh, so God is amazing who he uses, and Amos is one of those men. But he did have a strong message, and he had to be strong to deliver that message, Alex. Well, he really did. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm going to say it was maybe maybe about 2018, uh, but I had the privilege at the Cove, uh, the Billy Graham Training Center up in western North Carolina. I got to teach the book of Amos, and that was just a real honor. Um, We on this program frequently cite Vance Havner. Dr. Vance Havner was a great man of God. And, Bert, I've always been told that Amos was like his favorite book to preach from. And Vince Havner preached revival. He was a great revivalist, and he believed there was great revival content from the book of Amos. And so um, when I read this first verse, the words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa, what he saw regarding Israel in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now, right here in the first verse, there's a lot of reference to people, places, and also a, a highly significant yeah. event. Yeah, and, and that earthquake it would be talked about later, I think, by Isaiah. And it, it was so significant, it's kind of like 9-11. When you say 9-11, you know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, December the 7th, you know exactly, you know, talking about Pearl Harbor. So there's these events. The earthquake must have been such a cataclysmic issue that it dated people, and they remember where it was, and he tells that. And again, uh, you can tell he wrote this after the earthquake. And uh, so, and he also gives the king. He gives the king, Mm -hmm. his king, Uzziah, and Jeroboam, the king of Israel. And so he dates it in such a way that it's pretty pinpointed in a certain area where those two uh, kings, their reigns would, uh, you know, be within a certain section. So this is Amos, and he comes. He's the only Amos we have in the Bible. 
And uh, well, now, that's true. Yeah, yeah. we had an Amos, A M O Z, but not an Amos. And so it's quite different than than we studied Joel, where we had fifteen other men called Joel, but not Amos. Amos is one of a kind. It seems like Alex. Well, and you know, I've got to say one thing. Whenever I see the word Tekoa, um, I think of Tekoa Falls College. Bert, did you ever read a very famous book called Dam Break at Tekoa? No, I knew about it, but I did not read the book. Well, and I had the privilege of speaking there seven or eight years ago, but there's a Christian college in northern Georgia up in the mountains, beautiful part of the world. And folks, if you if you love stories of God's power, um, there was a, a dam that broke and water like washed the college away and there were some lives lost but there was also some heroism and some christian witness but amos begins uh and the region south of jerusalem that is the namesake of that college tekoa um it which means trumpet by the way it's a hebrew word that means trumpet and Hey, a prophet of God is a trumpet of truth, really, isn't it? He does, and I love verse 2, and we can't go verse by verse. We're going to cover the man and part of the book, but this verse 2, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. Now, Alex, what a way to introduce the book of Amos. It is a book of correction, a book of judgment, and he roars. It's not, he's not milquetoast. He's not, uh, he doesn't do a little bit what, now again, don't think Paul is milquetoast, but Paul would always begin his letters by saying usually a word of appreciation and of uh, congratulation, (laughs) but not Amos. He comes out, the Lord roars, and then he issues six, uh, I would say, judgments concerning the nations around Israel and Judah. And he uses this phrase, for three transgressions and for four. Uh, right, right. You know, it's kind of, it's an idiom, you, you know that. But somebody said it's like, I've, the last straw. You know, you, you've been doing this and I've had it enough. And he covers these six countries around them, Syria, Philistia, Tyre, Edom, and Ammon, and Moab. And uh, so he covers those, and and he brings up the charges against them. And guess what? The the judgment that he gives is always the same. I will send fire. And mm, uh, yes. so that's, that's very severe. Well, and, you know, let me just say this to folks. You hear so much nowadays about social justice. And everybody wants, you know, fair treatment, and of course that's that's a, a wonderful thing to aspire to. But nowadays there's this cry for rights and justice, but there's really not a lot about morality. Uh, people are for a lot of things that the Bible clearly calls immoral. But one thing about Amos, now almost really more than any other book in the Bible, the book of Amos does talk about how others are treated, and how women are treated, how the poor are treated, the needy. Uh, But here's the thing. There's also a condemnation of immorality. I mean, this is true social justice, that people would not be trafficked for silver. And I mean, they were selling people for the the price of a pair of sandals. And Bert, um, I kind of, sometimes I squirm when I hear the phrase social justice because I don't know if 
the one using that kind of language is really talking about yeah. things that are just and righteous. But with Amos, Amos has it right. Um, looking after people, husbands being faithful, um, women being treated correctly, the poor being cared for, but yes, in a context of righteousness and holiness. And the, the economic success that uh, he preaches about, Amos is a southerner, but he preaches against the northern kingdom pr- primarily. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah Tekoa was, tw- his hometown, as you said, was 12 miles south of Jerusalem. Uh, it was yeah. a rural area, and God called him out to go to Israel and speak to them. And uh, which is, listen to chapter 3, verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel. And he is from Judah. And uh, guess what they want him to do? When he's preaching against those six nations around them, I imagine they're saying, amen, sick them, let them have it. That's right. Yeah, go get them. Yeah, go get them. (laughs) But when it came down to the judgment that God had against them, uh, you know, they they told him to go back home to Judah. What are you doing up here, boy? Yeah. You know that's kind of their attitude, wasn't it? it? It's like we we've heard enough. That's uh, right. The the, the revival. We were going to go through Wednesday night, but we're going to cut you off here on Monday night. <laughs> no, but um, you know God's people frequently need a history le- lesson. And uh, in chapter two, I I always love whenever I read. You know Moses did this, Paul does this, but um. There's talking about, you know, trampling the heads of the poor and just some of the unspeakably immoral things going on. But it says that, you know, they've forgotten God. And I brought you from the land of Egypt, led you 40 years in the wilderness in order to possess the land of the Amorite, raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is this not the case? Israelites, this is the Lord's declaration. Bert, um, Nations, Americans, Christians sometimes need a history lesson. And uh, good ministers of the gospel remind their generation of what the Lord has done. And in chapter 2, 9 through 11, and I want to read verse 12 too, but um, Amos, like a great man of God, he has to remind them, who the Lord is and all that the Lord had done for them in times past. He does, Alex. I'm going to say verse 12 for you, but go back up and you'll start the immorality. Yes, slavery was condemned. Uh, you know, all the things that social justice used to social justice was something that, and again, it does what liberals, progressives always do, what we use the word liberal. They change the meaning of a word, or they they you know do something with it. They've done that with social justice, and again, that I think they've taken a good term and put their agenda to it is what they've done. Oh, exactly. But listen to this about the immorality in verse uh, seven: uh, They pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor, pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. You see, there it is. Uh, the immorality is hit. It's not yeah. just the issue of, of finances. It's not just the issue of power. It's the issue of immorality. And he is he is hits that. And again, when you read verse 12, they weren't just passive against what God was doing. 
they reacted harmfully for what God was doing. Don't you think that's what verse 12 is referring to? Well, yeah, and you know, we've talked a lot of times about what is a Nazarite vow from Numbers chapter 6. You know, a Nazarite and somebody making a vow uh, to the Lord, the, the Nazarites, they would not touch a dead body, they would not drink wine or strong drink, and they didn't cut their hair. Uh, all right, he says, you, uh, God has raised up some young men, says, prophet from among you as Nazarites. Verse 12, but you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets, do not prophesy. All right, that'd be one. This happens even now. Some churches, not all, but some churches, they want a preacher, but not somebody that is committed to the Word of God, somebody that is more of just a a figurehead that can be controlled, um, making the Nazarites drink wine was essentially making them break their vow to God. If we desire a preacher that never does step on our toes, if we want a pastor that doesn't really preach the full counsel of God, in a way that's like making a Nazarite drink wine because it's causing somebody to break a vow to God. The, the man of God, the person in that pulpit, whether they honor it or not, they have a commitment to God to preach his word, don't they? They do, and God says, I'm tired of it. I want We've got just 30 seconds left. Let me read verses 13 and following. God says, I am weighed down by you, as a cart is weighted down that is full of sheaves. Therefore, flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles bow, the swift of foot shall not deliver himself, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver him. Alex, nobody's going to be away from God's punishment when it comes. Alex and I will be back more with Amos. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Dr. Stephen Cliff, Deputy Administrator of NHTSA. He oversees the agency that sets vehicle safety standards, identifies safety defects, and manages recalls, and educates Americans to help them drive, ride, and walk safely. Proverbs 2, 8 through 9 reminds us of God's guidance in our travels. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear God, protect Dr. Stephen Cliff as he works to create safe travel. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Healthy boundaries keep us safe, but Dr. Tony Evans says when we put them in between ourselves and the Lord, we risk missing out on the best part of the Christian life as we spend two minutes with Tony. Many of us have welcome signs at our front door. That welcome sign means you are allowed to come in. If you are a Christian, you've given Jesus a welcome sign. You have told Jesus, come into my life. I trust you as my sin bearer. You have given Jesus the welcome sign if you are a believer, so he's in your house. But just because he's in your house doesn't mean he's dwelling there. One of the lies we tell is the lie that says, make yourself at home. Because we don't actually mean that. What we mean is make yourself at room. 
because I'm going to take you to the rooms you can deal with. I'm going to take you to the den. I'm going to take you to the kitchen. And there's the bathroom. But you can't be going all up in my bedroom. You can't be going up in the closet where I threw all my junk in. But if you want power, Jesus has to be free to roam, to dwell, to make himself at home in all the crevices of your life. Because the moment you limit Jesus Christ to only the rooms that have been cleaned up in your life, then what you have done is uninvited his power. But those are the rooms he wants to go into so he can help you do a cleaning service. Discover ways to develop a more vital, intimate connection with the Lord. Check out Tony's CD series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex, we're in the book of Amos. We're not going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, we've been doing a series that's entitled Prophets, Kings, and Kingdoms. And uh, we, we were able to do the kings, the highlights of the major kings, and the, then the two kingdoms, and then the kingdom, you know, the two kingdoms that became two kingdoms after it divided. But now the prophets, and we are going through each prophet, give a highlight of each one of these men that God used and some of the ministry of their words in the book. And we started off in verse chapters 1 and 2, and there are the eight judgments, six countries surrounding Israel and Judah. And then Amos comes in, and he zeroes in on Judah and then Israel. And then most of the rest of the book is about the northern king Israel. And in chapter 3, we have the introduction of some sermons that he preached, messages that he preached, and you'll hear it. Uh, you always notice, I'm going to notice the, the repeated words. Listen to this in Alex, chapter 3, verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken. Chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Hear this word. Now, we'll get to that in a minute, who he said it to. And then, and, yeah, that's. I have to admit, I, I enjoy talking about Amos. I wouldn't dare do it, but anyway, he did it. Chapter 5, verse 1, hear this word which I take up against you. So he has three sermons that he delivers, and they are strong. And uh, Alex, let me read verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 3, and I'll turn it back to you. And uh, I want I want you to cover chapter four verse one. That that will be your uh, <laughs> assignment. Okay, we're having some fun here. But listen, chapter three verses one and two. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I punish you for all your iniquities. And then verse 3, well-known passage, can two walk together unless they are agreed, unless they're in step? Now, 
you only have I known. You need to underline the word known. It's not knowing about. It's not having knowledge of. It's this relationship. You and only are the ones that I chose to have this special relationship with. Of all the families of the earth, I chose you. Therefore, your punishment for your iniquities, they're going to be severe. Let me see, Alex. Is there somewhere where it says to whom much is given, much is required? Yes. To whom much is given, much will be required. Well, With they'd great been given much. Comes had great they, responsibility, yeah, doesn't right. it? It does. Yeah, they'd been given much. And so here, and, and God's so judgment it, against really them special. is justified. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, God called Israel and, and gave not only the promises of the coming Messiah, but Scripture. It says, unto the Jews were committed the oracles of God. And he's... Okay. Uh, Alex must have dropped out. He's uh, again. There you I go. Mean, go ahead, they, Alex. They had a high... I don't know what's happening. They're going to reconnect and make sure Alex is on. And as you say, what's exciting about exploring the Word is where is Alex and does he have the real strong connection? And every once in a while, he doesn't have it. He's an evangelist. He travels. Now, he's at home today, but some way the connection's not as strong. Devin will get that back on. But again, notice this. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? And so here God wanted them to walk with him, but they chose not to agree with him. And again, notice what he does in chapter 3, verse 4. He brings up the same thing he did in, in chapter 1, verse 2 about the roar of the lion. It says, well, a lion roar in the hot forest. And so he uses these analogy. Uh, Alex, again, uh, he's a farm guy. And notice how many, not necessarily farm, let me say the word rural he uses a lot of rule analogies because that's what he's familiar with. And he is saying to them, judgment is coming upon you. Surely, in verse 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to the servants of the prophets. A lion has roared who will not fear. The Lord God has spoken who can but prophesy. God has roared out of Zion. And it's not only there, but it's reaching far and wide, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. And I apologize for the connection challenges. I hope I'm back here a little bit. But, um, you know, does a lion roar and nobody hear it? Of course not. If, if a lion roars, it will be heard. Does a trap spring from the ground when it is caught? Nothing. Look, if, if there's something going on here, it's because there's something significant that's happened. And the people have sinned, and God knows it, and God is going to judge, just like an action has a cause has an effect. Well, sin comes with judgment. And look at verse 10 of chapter 3. The people are incapable of doing right. The Lord's declaration of those who store up violence and destruction. They don't know how to do right, as verse 10 says the Lord. They store up violence well, doing and robbery. Right anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, again, this is what Alex is talking about. They are not doing right. They are doing wrong. They're choosing to go their way. And that's the first sermon. He gets into chapter 4, and he preaches another sermon by introducing it. Hear this word. Now, here, I was teasing Alex about doing it. He says, you cows of Bashan. Uh, in the King James, it's kinds, but it is cows. And that's what he's calling the women there 
of Israel because they were wanting their husbands. We're in chapter 4, Alex. I, I, I went ahead and talked about the cows of Bashan. <laughs> but notice what they do. They oppress the poor who crush the needy. And listen to this. Here's how you know who he's talking about. Who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. Another more, mm. we've got, we hadn't got enough yet. Go out and suppress the poor. Go out and judge as much as you can. Bring back as much home as you can because we want the luxury. And and here, here Amos says, God's going to get, he's going to take care of you, isn't he? Well, he is, he is. And, and just like we can be sure that God does judge sin, we can be sure that God will restore and forgive if we return to him. Uh, and just like the history lesson about how God had led them, you know, Amos gives a little bit of a history lesson about how God had disciplined them, giving them nothing to eat, a shortage of food, yet you did not return to me. I withheld rain from you. This is verse 7 of chapter 4. While there were still three months until the harvest. And let me, let me just say, a, a drought beginning three months before the harvest, that would be disastrous. Sent rain on one city, but not on another. God did this out of love. You know, the Bible always says that God uh, acts redemptively. Even when he has to punish us, it's out of love. And so uh, there's plagues, there's uh, overthrow, like Sodom and Gomorrah was overthrown. But you did not return to me, the Lord's declaration. Now, do you see how, uh, like six times here in chapter 4, he reminds them, this is what God says. Don't just, don't just take my word for it. This is the Lord's declaration. And he says, you have not returned to me five times, verse, uh, verse 6, and again, verse 8, verse uh, 9, and verse 10, and verse 11, you have not returned to me. So therefore, verse 12, thus will I do to you, O Israel, and because I will do this to you, listen to this great, famous saying, Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Yeah. Alex, that is a statement. He says, you be prepared. Listen, you want to be prepared. That's what Alex and I want to do each day on Exploring the Word. We want you to be prepared for death through knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. We want you to be prepared to stand before him and being able to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. We are desiring that. And that's what Amos, he says, prepare to meet your God. And, and then in chapter 5, he begins a new one. Hear this word, which I will take up against you. And again, he is, he is looking at the future. And seek the Lord is a repeated phrase. Alex, seek me in verse, uh, verse 4. Seek me and live. Wow. Seek the Lord and live in verse, verse uh, 6. Amos is known for his judgment, but the, you see his heart for them as well, don't we? Okay, Alex is not on right now, so let me carry on through chapter 5. And, and again, he says them again and again in verse, verse 14 of that chapter, Seek good and not evil, that you may live, so the Lord God of hosts will be with you. Now, this is Israel, and he is demanding more of them than he did those other uh, six countries surrounding them. He still held them accountable. Uh, just because they did not have God's law does not mean they were not accountable to God for what they did know. 
Alex and I have gone over this several times, that God judges us according to the light, but the light has shone into our hearts by creation. Every man is without excuse because creation, you see, God. Every person is without excuse because of the consciousness and that divine vacuum in us that only God can fill. Now, again, Israel had more light, so they were judged the more severely. And so here in chapter 5, he gives that admonition, and he says uh, in verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your faded, fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. So he is saying that judgment is, is going to come. Even they're going through the rituals of worship, they're still held accountable. Worship does not take the place of serving God in a way that is so pleasing to him. So, uh, and notice what it says in verse 27. It is very specific here. Therefore, I will send you into captivity beyond Damascus. And this was, uh, you know, three decades before this would happen in 722 when uh, Damascus, Syria, Assyria would come and they would overthrow them and take them and, and wipe them off and they would intermarry and they would become the Samaritans. And so this is it. And so he declares that. And in verse chapter 4, he says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Woe to you who, in verse 3. And so we have the woes. And there's five different visions. And I just want to talk about one it's the vision of the summer fruit. And he said, the time has come, and now the time is going to be ready for you. You're like summer fruit. You've had your time, and you're not going to be able to withstand it. Alex, you're back. Uh, we're, yes. we're at the uh, – I went to the five visions, and there's right. the locust, the fire, the plumb line, the summer mm -hmm. fruit, and, and the temple. But the summer fruit – I that is a very picturesque vision that he has, warning them that the judgment is coming, isn't it? Well, yeah, he says, the, the end has come for my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. In that day, the temple songs will become wailing, many dead bodies thrown everywhere. So there is a severe warning of judgment, and he gives these word pictures. And, Bert, don't you think that's why maybe sometimes people that are just very plain spoken, you know, everybody talks about how, Amos, with his li rural livestock background, I mean, he lays the cards on the table, but he says, seek me and live, turn. And these things like locust and fire and a plumb line, uh, they would have understood that. And summer fruit that's over and getting shriveled up to be thrown out. I mean, maybe the Spirit of God could have used some of these illustrations to break some through some of their heart that, look, we're... We're old food that's not good for anything but to be thrown out. That ought to make them humble and turn to God. It does. I, I, I felt like reading verse 6 of chapter 8 concerning this, and I think it puts it all in perspective that we may buy poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat. That's there. It is an economy based upon nothing but materialism, greed, and luxury. Alex? 
and, yeah. and God brings it home, and he lets them have it. And notice what he says in verse 10. I think this is important to say. I want to get to the latter part, so we may have to jump to chapter 9, verse 11, and following after that because that's the promise. But listen to verse 10 yeah. of chapter 8. I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs to lament, into lamentation. I'll bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I'll make it like mourning for an only son, and it ends like a bitter day. God's judgment, when it yes. comes, it's, it is delayed, but when it comes, it is severe, you know? Well, he says, I'm going to shake the house of Israel among all the nations as one shakes a sieve, but not a pebble will fall to the ground. See, if you're in that, the sieve or like, like a colander or a shaker, I mean, it would be a blessing to fall through the cracks and be alleviated of the judgment and the punishment, but no, you're going to be in that sieve and be shaken. And just, he says, I will shake the house of Israel among all the nations. Remember, he had said, hey, Israel, I chose you from all the nations. Yeah, well, now they're going to be chosen for judgment from among all the nations because with an unparalleled amount of God's revelation and enlightenment comes a high, high level of accountability. And, Bert, I've got to, when I read this, I think about the USA. Goodness, we've been blessed. We've had the gospel. We're, we're very accountable, aren't we? We are, and it will come. Sooner or later, judgment comes. I want to finish this, and all you have to know is Amos chapter 9, verses 11 through 16. Notice the term, yes. I will, and there's five I wills. He'll raise them up. I'll repair. I'll bring back the captives. I will plant. God gives them a promise, and guess what? When you read that, it's the restoration and the restoration is through Jesus Christ alone. Alex, it's mm. only in Christ that we have true restoration, isn't it? That's true. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, your questions. So dial 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'll take your calls. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When their mom passed, the Landau brothers of New Jersey had a garage sale to clear out their mom's house. But they decided to keep a few things, including mom's old creepy painting of a woman passed out in a chair and two men trying to revive her. Fast forward to their estate auction, and the brothers found themselves fielding bids from France and Germany for the painting. Turns out it was a long-lost Rembrandt that ultimately sold for $1.1 million. 
A trained eye spots value where others don't. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 says, Love never fails. Math applies to all sorts of things. For instance, here's a mathematical truth that also applies spiritually. Anything times zero is zero. So let's say on a scale of 1 to 10, you've got level 10 understanding of spiritual things. If you multiply that times zero love, you get zero. Love makes all the difference, even if you have limited resources. So give with love. Serve with love. Speak with love. Love multiplies even the smallest thing that you bring to the table. God will use your love far beyond what you think your resources may be. That's why love is so essential in our lives. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Now, back to the Bible study you're listening to, Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. In Amos 9.15, the prophet Amos concludes, Yahweh, your God, has spoken. We need to take the Word of God to heart because it is the message from the Lord. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper here. So glad you're listening. Now, today is your day, folks. Here's how to call in with a Bible question. 888-589-8840. Devin says we've got some open lines, and if you have a Bible question, we ask you to call in. Bert and I just recently did release a book that you helped write, everybody. 100 Bible Questions and Answers from the First 10 Years of Exploring the Word. And Bert, um, we give God the glory for that book. It was a labor of love, and aren't you just appreciative to the Lord that we could do a book like that? I am, and listen, the people who I've who have read it and parts of it, it's not one that you necessarily start from the front and go to the back. You could, but uh, it's, the questions are listed, and they're in categories, and so you can go and, and look at the questions you would like to to read what we said about that. So it's a great book. And, hey, Alex, people are responding. After you said the lines <laughs> are open, they got with it, man. Are you ready? Wow. I am ready, folks. Check check out, by the way, the, the book, though, the AFA store and so many other great things that, that uh, we give God the glory. And we just hope all these things are a resource that will help you in your walk and your witness. Amen. Hey, let's go to Mississippi and talk to John. John, welcome. Thank you. Uh, this is John speaking. Uh, I think we should pray for our country uh, in so many different ways, but more specifically, tomorrow is the day of the big election in the state of Virginia. Uh, the uh, former governor, Terry, I forget his last name, but he is the one that's saying that we ch- uh, parents do not have the right to know what's going on, and that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Preach it, John. Amen. This is our friend. Uh, John, it is great to hear from you, and we mm-hmm. love you. You're one of our biggest, 
biggest fans and supporters. So I think it would be appropriate to pray. Alex, would you mind doing that? Let's pray. Father God, we pray for our nation. Lord, we pray for the state of Virginia. Lord, so many places we could name. But Lord, we are a sin-sick people and we need you. So Spirit of the Lord, come, sweep over our nation, send revival. I thank you for Mr. Carruthers reminding us to pray. And Lord, please send a great revival. Lord, whatever it takes to call our nation to you, we ask that you would call America to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Carruthers. Thank you for reminding us to be praying. And I hope you'll write that down and pray. Uh, Virginia and New Jersey both tomorrow. Yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. Let's go. And Bert, speaking don't, of don't Virginia. Lo- yeah, go ahead, Alex. Don't we love our listeners? Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. We, got the be- we, we think we got the best. Uh, I've heard the other programs say <laughs> that, but I know better it's ours. Okay. Speaking yeah. of Virginia, let's go to Jr. in Virginia. Welcome, Jr. Good afternoon, brothers. Uh, According to what you're talking about on on, uh, the subject, was Jesus a Nazarene? Yes, he was a Nazarene, but not a Nazarite. And Alex, there is a difference, isn't there? Right. From the region of Nazareth, he would have been geographically a Nazarene. But as one who took a Nazarite vow, like... I would say Samson or John the Baptist. No, he was not a Nazarite in the sense of uh, the Nazarite vow, was he? He was not. But again, Nazarene, and he's referred to that uh, some in the Bible, Jesus of Nazareth, the Nazarene, but not a Nazarite. And again, not cutting the hair, not eating of the vine, anything of the vine, that'd be wine, and not going to uh, near a dead body. Samuel, John the Baptist, and Samson were the three. And then mm-hmm. some people would take a Nazarite vow for a time. These were Nazarites for life. And uh, so, but thank you, Jr. And we're praying for Virginia. Thank you, man. Let's go to North Carolina, and we want to talk to Andrew. Andrew, welcome. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir, brother. Uh, I just had a, uh, a quick comment. Uh, I've heard a few people call in asking about the Trinity and, uh, uh, and our pastor had shared something with us, uh, that maybe will help some of these people understand the Trinity a little bit better. Um, he compared the Trinity to, uh, to water, you know, water can be in three forms, solid, liquid, or gas, uh, all have different purposes, different uses, but they're all still water. And that's yeah. That was the kind of the best ex- explanation I've heard for yeah. the Trinity. H two O in three different forms. H two O water. Alex, I've heard that as well, and, and it's good. There's if you start doing it apart, you'll find a few. Oh, not quite, but it does show you that it is of the same. You know, as Jesus said, "I am of the Father." It does show you that, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean. And and by the way, not not to be negative, Nelly here. There, a lot of people say that's not an ideal illustration, and and I think there is there probably isn't a perfect illustration for the Trinity because God is in a category of one. But let's say you took a a a, a cup of water, and it's liquid. 
But if you froze it, yes, it is a solid now, but it's not steam or liquid. But then you boil it and it's steam. Part of the reason that doesn't completely adequately show forth God, it would be like when when Jesus the Son was here on earth, well, did that mean the Father and the Spirit weren't existent? No, not at all. So the, the water illustration of the Trinity kind of doesn't really get the job completely done because when it's in one mode, it's not in the other two modes, whereas the the persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, they're always existing. You know, one person said a, a piano chord, like if you play three notes, C, E, G, uh, it makes this one beautiful chord, but if you listen, you can hear the individual parts uh, in, in a chord on a musical instrument. Um, the single notes are definitely there, but they work to make one whole chord. But again, Bert, I don't know that there is a completely adequate illustration. Do you? I, I don't either. I, I've, I've heard of the egg, you know, the shell, yeah. the white, and the yolk. Uh, yeah. Individuals, the same person being a son and a father and a grand, you know, uh, it nothing completely. And I've heard the water, Andrew, and uh, it's it's it helps to understand parts of it. But I, as I said, but it doesn't completely. It is beyond our capacity to understand that God is beyond our. And don't let that confuse you, diminish your faith. It should increase it. It's thinking, man. This God is awesome. He is beyond my understanding. I get excited about not knowing some of these things, Alex, myself. Now. I, I know. I know. Okay. What was, was it um, St. Francis of Assisi who talked about a three-leaf clover? There's there's the clover, but uh, and they, he used a clover to try to teach on the Trinity. Yeah, yeah. But again, um, you know, let me say <laughs> this. I don't completely understand it because we can't fully apprehend God, Amen. but we definitely believe it. And I hope that encourages you. It encourages me. Okay, thank you so much. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Timothy. Hey, we got lines open. We probably have time for maybe two more calls after this. But Timothy, go ahead. Hello, Mr. Bert Harper, and hello, Brother Alex McFarland. Both of you are brothers. Uh, I've called in before, and I want to get right down to it, and I want to make sure that this in the spirit of love and meekness, because I I appreciate your ministry, first of all, but here's a, my proposal. Uh, there's a man of God. He showed the fruits of the Spirit in his life. Many came to Christ under his ministry, and he had the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, he came across a magazine article with a, a woman in it. It was advertising some explicit content. He fell to the temptation, and through that, uh, he started committing adultery on his wife for many years. He died of a uh, brain aneurysm all of a sudden in the midst of that without repenting of it. Uh, did the man, when he died, did Brother Alex, did he go to heaven or did he go to hell? Well, if he was a born-again Christian, he would have gone to heaven. Um, because, let me say this, while it sounds like the scenario you're describing, it definitely would have been that he compromised his walk with the Lord. Um, and if you could be in a state of adultery while you're a born-again Christian and not feel conviction about that, then I would question if he was really born again. But if he was positionally in Christ, he was saved. Um, 
Now, there's a lot we could say, and I, I presume the foundation behind the question is maybe about eternal security of the believer, Bert. Do you think that's yeah, maybe let, a little? Yeah, I believe. Let me just say this, and I don't think it's an argument worth having. I'll just tell you, I'll be frank. We, Alex and I, would say if we don't know if he is saved, only God knows. That's the first thing. You're, mm-hmm. you're asking our opinion about that man. I don't know if it was real or not when he— uh, Everybody would have thought Judas was a follower of Jesus Christ when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. Not a single person of those 12, the 11 that was left, said, "We, it is Judas. It is Judas. No. They said, is it I? And the result is the same. Uh, Timothy, those that are Armenian would say, well, he, he lost his salvation. Alex and I would say, if he was never saved at all, but we do not make that judgment. That is in God's hand. Alex, I de- you know, I you catch what I'm saying? Uh, I, I exactly did. And, I and exactly the, did. And we've got enough things that divide us today that we need to stand together, Armenian and Reform. Uh, listen, follow, get saved, follow Jesus, continue in Him, and finish in Him. That's my a- thoughts. A- don't, amen. Don't amen. Don't draw in your tent and go away, Timothy, brother. You're our brother, and I appreciate you calling. You, when you ask questions like that, it makes us think, and that's helpful to make us think. Do we need to relook at our position, or do we look at it? Uh, I think you look at it through Scripture, and I so so I appreciate you, brother. Keep listening, and thank you for calling. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Jill. Jill, welcome. Uh, yes, hi. How are you today? Doing well. Great. I have a beautiful metaphor I wanted to share. Um, for the Trinity yes, that God gave me many years ago that I used with my sixth grade confirmation class. And, um, the, and the metaphor is that God is the Son, S-U-N, and the light that comes from the Son is Jesus, and the warmth that you feel from that light is the Holy Spirit. Yep. I've heard mm-hmm. that one, Jill, and again, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I like it. When I first heard that one, Jill, I said, okay, uh, that is, that is, but Jesus is still the Son. That's, he's the same essence, and the Holy Spirit is the same essence of God, but it does demonstrate, I think, the ministry of the Trinity, Alex. Yeah, exactly, and thank you for listening, and thank you for teaching those children in that class. God bless you. Amen, and, and do that. That's, that's, it does demonstrate their ministry, and, and I think that's where we need to concentrate, Alex, that we will never completely understand the complexity of the Trinity. It's beyond us, but to see the ministry of that, uh, Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. The Holy Spirit as as of fire. That would be the warmth. You catch what mm-hmm. what she's saying. Yeah. It. I think it's a great ministry uh, a lesson for the uh, for the ministry of the Trinity. Thank you, Jill. We're going to stay in Louisiana and talk to Miller. Miller, welcome. Well, she just stole my, <laughs> my comments. Hey <laughs> man. That, that, hey, they must be that, teaching that down in Louisiana. Well, yes. I'm originally from the Holy Land. That's Mississippi, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Amen. But, uh, no, I, I, I was uh, that's what I was going to say, and that's a good illustration of it. But like nothing, you can 
good in the comparison with Jesus. And so we just got to keep our focus on him because the day of his return is staring us in the face. Praise the Lord. Now listen, yeah, Alex and I are getting as many people ready as we can on this, on exploring the word, to be a part of the family of God. Make sure you're saved. If you're questioning your salvation, if you know you're not saved, there's a number you can call, Triple Eight need him Triple Eight need him If you're online, you can go to chat about Jesus, and uh, they'll take you there as well, and you can do it by, you know, by social media that we're living in. Ben, from Arkansas, we're not going to have time to take your call because I need to talk about the AFA streaming that's starting. It's already started on some programs today. Uh, Exploring the Word is not. So, Alex, when we start this live streaming, we're going to have people come up to us and say, we recognize your face along with your voice. Now, mm-hmm. you've been yep. in the airport and hear people people hear you talk, and they'll know yeah. you. And I've been in different places, drugstores, different places, and they'll, you're Burt Harper, aren't you? They recognize our, our voices. Live streaming, they may be able to recognize your faces, brother. Well, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I'm just so excited about the fact that AFA – just like many years ago, Don Wildman had a vision for radio. He had a vision for the Internet. Well, now AFA is going to use technology, a platform that can't be censored, that will put the gospel truth for the whole world to see, hear, and read. And, you know, this ministry has a long history of harnessing technology for the power of God's Word, and the most recent development is only weeks away. It is. And again, the reason we talk about this is because, like you said, we're living in the cancel culture. And Alex, I heard a sermon by David Jeremiah, and he was talking about the cancel culture. Uh, that's part of the getting ready for the Lord to come back because they don't want to hear truth. And yep. uh, so live streaming is going to be able to help us to continue sharing the Word of God. Alex? Uh, we are excited about Amos, and tomorrow we're going to look at Obadiah. Now, that's a short exactly. book, but uh, we're going to get the opportunity to look at Obadiah. So read ahead and be ready for tomorrow. That'll be exciting, won't it, Alex? It will. Folks, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Keep your radios tuned to the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about AFR, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.